Well, thank you for coming out to our midweek Bible study tonight, guys. And thank you, Pastor Brad, for leading us in that time of worship. Um, I just wanted to, I've, I've been sharing with you that we had something special for tonight. And uh, I want to tell you, it's, it's such an honor uh, to have Prophet Tim and his family with us in the, in the church body. And uh, sometimes we're going to have the opportunity because they they come and this is their this is their church family. We're going to get an opportunity sometimes to get the word that the Lord has laid on his heart before he goes out to spread it, you know, across the country. And this is one of those opportunities. So tonight we get to hear what the Lord has placed on his heart to go preach in churches all across the nation over the coming weeks and months. Uh, so this is a special moment. Uh, so thank you for coming out and making it a, a moment of importance uh, in your week to hear what God is saying to the church in a, in a time like now. How many of you know right now we need to hear from God? We need to hear what he has to say. So I just want to welcome Prophet Tim. Come, come and speak, sir. Right. Good evening, everybody. Good to see you tonight. Good to be here. Um, as Pastor was saying, this is our home church, and um, I think we made the commitment to come about the middle of December. We just felt like uh, the Lord directing us here, and we're thankful to be here. We're thankful. Um, you know, I tell you, it's, it's an awesome thing to have a pastor that wants to work with the apostolic and the prophetic. It really is. It, uh, a lot of pastors out there are threatened by these offices, and these offices are just foundational offices. They, they carry value, amen, and they carry substance that is different than the pastor, the evangelist, and the teacher. And even though there's a lot of people out there that call themselves prophets, how many realize that you, you're going to know a tree by its fruit? You know, I, I kind of joke around and I say, I'm not talking about the pathetic. I'm talking about the prophetic. Amen. The prophetic is very, very important. Prophets will guide and apostles will govern. And I'll be honest with you, your, your pastor is, yes, he's predominantly a pastoral gift, but he has a hunger for the apostolic. Now, what that means is he's going to want to apostolically pastor the, the flock. And what that does is that places a demand on who you are. It begins to appeal to your purpose. How many realize that we're just not called to come to church, hear the word, grow, mature, and then not do anything with it? We're supposed to take it outside the church and do something with it. Whether it be on the job or whether it be... Uh, you know, at Walmart, or it could be a thousand places, you might cross the path of somebody that God wants you to minister to. Amen? So I want to just share a few things tonight. I really believe, you know, I was here in December, the first weekend of December, and I talked about the voice of the Lord, how important it was to hear the voice of God. The Hebraic numbers for 2021, it means the, to hear God's voice, and I think that it's important for us to hear the voice of God. Uh, especially in a year like this, because there's going to be a lot of confusing voices out there. And I will tell you um, that uh, we just need to be in a couple of postures, just a couple of positions. First and foremost, I think that the greatest thing that's going to protect the church going forward is the work of the ministry. Love the way you're shouting about that. <laughs> 
And the second thing is our alliance with Israel. And if you know the 12th chapter of the book of Revelation, you understand how important it is. The church, you know, God's plan for America has not changed. We need to understand that, okay? Our Messiah does not fly on Air Force One. Amen? So I'm going to talk a little bit tonight because I really feel, I really feel in my heart um, that there are going to continue to be an influx of ministry gifts into this body, but this, uh, these ministry gifts must understand that they can be nurtured, they can be restored, they can be healed, they can be equipped, but then they must return to their purpose. Are you hearing me? Okay. Now, I know, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, I know that when you've been through some things in ministry, and everybody goes through some things in ministry, in fact, it's probably the greatest occupation on the face of the earth that people are quitting on a weekly basis. You're going to go through some things, and I know that when you deal with people and you deal with things that are not fair and that are, that are wrong and you get hurt, the last thing you want to do is put yourself back in that vulnerable position. But I will tell you that the calling of God and the giftings of God, God will not repent of. And there will come a time where who you are will begin to override that. All right, you'll get hungry to operate the, in, in, the, in the function that you're created for, okay? So I just want you to know that those days are going to come for the gifts that are coming here. And it's going, to be, it's going to be an awesome time. And really, I, Pastor, I really believe that one of the earmarks of our success as ministers is to see what people go out and do. You know, I, I love pouring in to people. And, of course, as I pour out, I like what God does in the sense of how he raises them out, up and sends them out. Because the church is not supposed to just hoard people. We're not called to build big barns. We're, we're called to raise up ambassadors and warriors and, and go out and change the world. Amen. So I want to preach for a few minutes tonight on something that I, I'd like to entitle, The Flow of God's House. And if you have your Bibles tonight, I want you to go to the 47th chapter of Ezekiel. The 47th chapter of Ezekiel. Understand that everything that has something flowing into it and there's nothing flowing out of it, it's a dead sea. And in America, I see so many churches. And folks, if I'm not here on a Sunday, please understand where I'm at. I'm on the field of ministry. I'm not just laying out, okay? So if you don't see me here, please pray for me. You're going to see my family here, okay? But I travel at least 280 days out of the year sharing the gospel, preaching the gospel. And I find so many churches across America, all they are is a people of wanting to absorb. It just seems like everything is flowing into the church and nothing is flowing out of the church. I don't want to be a dead sea. In fact, I believe that what God gives us, he just doesn't give it to us to, you know, just to, you know, bless our lives and cause our lives to be fruitful. I believe that what God does is he gives us an opportunity to be fruitful with what he gives us or what he shows us or what he ministers to us, but we're supposed to share that. Amen. So from the outpouring of the day of Pentecost to a fresh shaking and a baptism in the Holy Spirit because of the persecution that came against the church in Acts chapter 4. From that 
those two incidences in the New Testament, from going forward, everything flowed out of God's house. Only two things flowed into God's house, Pentecost and Acts chapter 4. Everything else was an expression of flowing out of God's house. We need to understand that. Amen? So Jeremiah 17 and verse 8 says, He shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out his roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. And I will tell you, folks, persecution's coming. Okay? I mean, we, we are the only organization on the face of the earth that can do something about the spirit of Antichrist. And we need to understand that, okay? We're light in the midst of darkness. We are the salt of the earth, okay? We are in the crosshairs of the enemy. Persecution is coming. This, this is more than a threat that we've heard down through the years. Well, the 501c3 is going to be threatened and, you know, your, your, your tax exemptions and things like this are going to be taken away from you. But, folks, it's been subtly creeping up on us for quite some time. Okay, in 1994, I went to England to preach, and they had just passed a law of an anti-conversion law where you could no longer share your faith publicly. 2001, Canada passed a law that you could no longer preach Romans chapter 1 or chapter 2 publicly. And I knew that when it was standing at the door of our country, it was just a matter of time. And then in 2001, later, it began to creep into advertisement, and American Express was the first company to begin to express uh, the support of gay and lesbian lifestyles. And now our, our First Amendment right is predominantly taken from us. Are you listening? Okay? So we have these things. These, these attacks are no longer subtle. Uh, there, there, there are agendas out there called a one world order. And it's blatantly put out there. These are the times in which we live. We live in the time of Revelation 6 and we live in the time of Revelation 13. When was the last time? You, see, everybody thinks that the book of Revelation is futuristic. The only futuristic substance that it has is it's the future ministry of Jesus. Are you listening? But we've already tasted of the first fruits of, the, of this book, and it was a litmus to test to see whether or not the, the, the society in, in America was ready for it. But these are planned agendas. What does the church need to do? The church needs to be busy with the Father's business. The fields are white unto harvest, and we need to harvest the earth while we're here. I believe it's a sovereign protection that God sets up for the believer to operate uh, from and with. So this, these trees spread out their roots by the river, and they will not fear when heat comes. But the leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will it cease from yielding fruit. Come on, y'all. Somehow, some way, God is going to make sure that God's people are taken care of. It won't matter what we're faced with. It doesn't matter how long we're here or what we're threatened by. I'll guarantee you, God knows how to make quail fly over our, our houses and die, have a heart attack and die, and, and land in our front yard to keep food on the table. Come on, amen. It doesn't matter. So when you look at Ezekiel chapter 47 in verse 1, what do we see? We see water flowing from under the right side of the temple. Now this is very important. The right hand of God or the, the right side in scripture is symbolic to three things. It speaks of the grace of God. It speaks of the authority of God. And then it speaks of the intercession of the believer. 
Amen. Luke chapter 1, verse 11 says that there was an angel standing on the right side of the altar. Now, what was taking place? Zacharias had come in to do his priestly duties, and he, his wife was with child, and he, he was going to take it upon himself because it was a customary thing to do. The father would hand down a name to the child. But he was interrupted. He says, I don't want you to call your son Zacharias. I want you to call your son John. How many realize that he was breaking protocol? He was breaking custom. He was breaking tradition because grace and authority and intercession had come to manifest a God child in the earth, a prophet, a forerunning voice that would prepare people for the coming of the Lord. In fact, in chapter 1, verse 63, when this announcement was made, the public said this, they pondered thinking, what kind of child is this going to be? You see, this is what happens when you get into agreement with what God wants instead of what we want. All of a sudden, we start producing fruits that begins to echo the voice of God and begins to send a ripple through the body of Christ, and things begin to totally change. Come on, amen? Okay, so in John chapter 21 and verse 6, we know what had happened. Everything had come full circle. Jesus' disciples had gone fishing. After the crucifixion and the resurrection, and there came a day where Jesus came for those same disciples. He introduced himself in Luke chapter 5 to these disciples, and then there came a day where he came back after them. Everything had come full circle, and he said, I want you to throw the net on the right side of the boat, and I'm going to get to that in just a, a little bit. So... I think that we need to realize that in verse 8 of this chapter, there's not only water flowing from the door, but there's also water flowing, a river of God that sends out healing to the seas. Now, the word sea, especially in the book of Revelation, speaks of masses, massive groups of people. In verse 9, everything that this river touches or wherever it goes, wherever this river flows, everything changes. In verse 12, the fruit of every tree that comes into contact with this river will bear fruit in all 12 months of the year. The trees, the, the very leaves on these trees, Revelation chapter 22 and verse 2, it's the same parallel. Psalms chapter 1 and verse 8, same parallel. These leaves are healing for the nations. And my friends, I want you to know that that's the extension of the body of Christ. I want you to pay attention to that because God, God wants you, yes, he wants to send you to your Judea and your Samaria and your Jerusalem, but he might want you, you know, to consider that you might want to go a little farther. I think that we can go as far with God as we, we dare to. Amen. So everything about our lives brings healing. It brings healing to our nation. It brings healing to other nations. How many realize it brings healing to your marriage? It brings healing to your children. It brings healing to your finances. It brings healing to your body. Amen. So one of the greatest mistakes that I've seen the body of Christ make is when revival begins to break out, and I will tell you, revival will break out in this church. Thank you for the three weak amens. But one of the greatest mistakes that I have seen in 39 years of preaching the gospel is when revival breaks out, people want to keep it in-house. Big mistake. 
It's not only coming. Sovereignty is not sitting down just on a ministry just to revive the saints and minister to the needs of the saints. And that's what will happen. But it's supposed to begin to spill out of God's house and begin to change the community. Don't you know that our, our workplaces need revival? Don't you know that our schools need revival? Don't you know that everything that God has called us to, he wants us to bring revival to those moments? Can I get a witness? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm dreaming, uh, I'm dreaming more, and I think the Lord's just trying to tell me that I'm getting older. And there was an outbreak, outbreak that, that, that happened in Terre Haute, Indiana, and I don't know if it's, it's still in, in, in motion, I, I don't know. But the Lord began to deal with me, and he said, when you go to Terre Haute, I'm going to bring you across the path of the man that uh, I, I used to, to cause this revival to break out. It's happening at his church, and what I want you to tell him is tell him that it's now time to take it to the streets. So that's exactly what I did. He happened to find his way into one of my meetings in Terre Haute, and the, the Lord began to point out to me that that's the man right there. I want you to tell him that the outpouring was just not sent to revive his church. The outpouring was sent to change the city. Oh, come on, Amen. And I've been part of some real sovereign outpourings over the years. In fact, I've been part of three of them. And it's a whole different atmosphere when sovereignty begins to set down on a house. I mean, it's almost as if it's like the Shekinah and the atmosphere of the Shekinah. And if you've ever been in it, you know what I'm talking about. Where sin can't find a hiding place. Where our will can't coexist. You know what that means? It means that you're not watching your watch. The presence of God has captivated you so strongly that you are completely overtaken by him. Amen. And what happens is, is it begins to spill out of the church. A person was driving by, and I run into this person in, in Indiana every now and then. They were driving by, the husband and the wife. The woman had just got a bad, uh, you know, uh, uh, Di not diagnostic, diagnostic uh, you know, report of, of her having stage four cancer and, and she's bleeding in a number of different places and, 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 and she just, she sees the marquee that we're in revival and, and there was only two seats that were available in the church and they happened to be on the front row. So they ushered these two right up because it just the Lord sucked them right off the street and and brought them right into the into the meeting and 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 I got about I was about three minutes into my my message and and the Lord said now just stop and tell that lady she's got an issue of blood and I'm going to heal her tonight. So I did. I told the lady exactly what the Lord told me. Well, she fell out of her seat unassisted. She you know she didn't do that courtesy thing you know we all do when we're getting ready to fall out in the spirit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Is it safe? <laughs> Power of God just hit her, knocked her right out of her seat, and she laid there for about 30 minutes. She got, she got up totally healed. And I ran into her 14 years later. She said, preacher, she said, I'm still saved, and I'm still healed by the power of God. Amen. <laughs> miracles are wonderful. Okay, miracles are wonderful, but I will tell you, friends, God will heal. He'll prime the pump in here so that it can really begin to flow out there. Amen. So evangelism, and I want to encourage you, evangelism is something that is not a corporate body responsibility. I know that that sounds a little different because the scripture says, go ye. It's an individual responsibility. 
It's a lifestyle that God calls all of us to live. I hand out a track every day of my life. It says, Jesus loves you, and there's a plan of salvation on the back, and you can order these in bulk. What I want to encourage you, maybe your current culture is not evangelism, but your current call will always be evangelism. Amen? So I want to give this to Pastor and ask him to order these because they'll be sent free of charge. And I want to encourage you, when you come to church, grab some tracts and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit about who you hand this out to and invite them to come to church. Can I encourage you? You don't have to have a Bible college degree to make a difference. All you have to have is, is a testimony. Come on, somebody help me. Has God ever done anything good for you? I got a feeling that folk that are in need might need to hear that. Wouldn't you agree? Amen. So everything about Christianity develops us from the fruit that blesses us, that ministers to our lives. But it's not only supposed to minister to us, but it's supposed to minister from our lives. We have to remember that we are pilgrims in this life, ambassadors ready to advance the cause of Christ in this life. Folks... I don't know what it is about the church. Everybody's hoping, you know, that we're going to go pre-tribulation. I say the body of Christ has got a bad case of PMS. Pack my suitcase. Everybody wants out of here and God wants in here. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend a day in the earth any longer than what God wants me to be here. But while I'm here, I'm going to make sure that I am doing what God has called me to do. I shared with you in December that Mark Twain said this, the two greatest days of your life are the day that you were born and the day that you understand why. I understand why I've been born into the kingdom. How about you? So let's look at four things tonight. Number one, the river that flowed out of God's house in verse 3 of chapter 47 was ankle deep water. And the, the announcement is made in Joshua chapter 3 and verse 4, you've not passed this way before. So what Joshua is telling the people, it's time for you to quit going in circles, and now it's time for you to have a clear-cut direction. And I want you to know that we're going to take three days to get ready for this journey because we have never gone in this direction before. You see, you might have never gone in the direction of evangelism, but I'm telling you, it's time for you to start your journey. Ankle-deep water is the beginning of a new journey or a new direction. Israel is no longer going in circles for 38 years. Aren't you glad that a born-again experience will deliver you from cycles? Come on, amen. How many realize that you don't have to keep going in circles if you don't want to? You can learn of God. You can, you can get into the water of God. You can get around the flow of God. And then all of a sudden you begin to realize, I don't have to stay snared like everybody else. Jesus provides a, a direction. He provides a way out. And I'm thankful for that. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 29. One of my favorite stories in Scripture. There was a woman that came to a well, and she happened to arrive there at, at, at the sixth hour. Now, her being there at the sixth hour was just a clear evidence of her social status because most women gathered at the ninth hour as a time of fellowship to prepare for the next day. She happens to be there at the sixth hour. So it tells us that she's a social outcast. But we know what happens. 
Jesus felt the necessity to go in the direction that he went in. And as he did, he came across the path of this woman who happened to be there at the sixth hour. And she was washing her utensils and drawing water and preparing for the next day. Well, Jesus strikes up a conversation with her and knows exactly how to provoke her problems. Have you ever noticed that the Lord knows exactly what to say and what to do to get 100% effect? You know what he says to her, woman? Give me a drink of water. Now, don't you know that all the issues, unresolved issues that were lying below the surface now had an opportunity to manifest? But I want to tell you that her cycle was getting ready to come to an end that day. We know that she had five previous husbands, and the one that she was living with, number six, was not, she was not even legally bound to. So what was she doing? Six is the number of man. What she was doing, she was showing the evidence of her cycle. She, she was in a revolving door that she couldn't get out of. Are you listening? Doomed to continue to repeat failure after failure after failure. And she was preparing for the next day to take care of somebody that she wasn't even legally tied to. Now that's the definition of madness right there. And Jesus looked at this woman and he said, woman, do you want to contend with me? So be it. But I want you to know that as long as you keep drinking from this water, you keep living this lifestyle, you'll always be thirsty and you'll never be able to quench it. But I want you to know that I've got water that you know not of. And if you'll drink this water, something will happen. You'll be satisfied like you've never been satisfied before. Actually, the woman didn't realize it, but Jesus happened to be the seventh man in her life. The number of completion. Come on, amen. I want to tell you tonight, you can look far and wide. You can look, you, you, can, you can obtain, and you can do. But I'll tell you, there's nothing that can satisfy you like a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have to understand. Come on, you all want to clap? You can clap anytime you want, okay? We have to realize that seasons in the kingdom are full of, I've never passed this way before. This is the beauty of Christianity, following the leading of the Spirit. Amen. How many realize that Noah prepared for, for what he had never seen before? He didn't know what rain looked like, but he took 120 years and built an ark because God told him to do so. Quail on the eastern wind, manna every day in the morning, axe heads swimming, lepers dipping in rivers and being cleansed from leprosy, rocks gushing with waters, fleece wet and then dry. How many realize that that is a shadow and type of the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus came saturated with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Jesus had the Spirit without measure. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had him without measure. You, <laughs> Catherine Kuhlman said this, the day I finally gave my life completely to him is the day that I started flowing in the power of God. All of a sudden, something happened. This fleece was saturated in Gideon's eyes. He said, I, I see what I've asked, but, but Lord, I, I just need a little more evidence. The next day, would you please make the fleece bone dry and the ground beneath it soaking wet? Talking about the, the cross and talking about the believer and talking about the resurrection and talking about the day of Pentecost. Jesus came dripping with the Holy Ghost, but when he did what he did at Calvary and what he did on the third day by way of resurrection and ascending into heaven, all of a sudden the power of God came like a wind and everybody in the upper room that was, that was formed from the dust of the earth became saturated with the same wetness that Jesus walked in. 
shadow and type. Oh, amen. I want to encourage you tonight. I'm talking about vessels being full of oil and flowing from vessel to vessel to vessel that paid off debt. Prophets laying on one side for days on end. Waters being troubled in a pool. Gold found in fish's mouths. You see, the beauty of the Christian walk, it's never predictable, but it's always stable. Have you ever thought, you know, I kind of got a feeling how this is going to turn out, and then all of a sudden it turns out something like, you know, something completely different. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. I can't count the times that I've seen this happen. I see Israel on a, on a journey to a promised land, distracted and rebellious. And folks, I'm telling you, it's time for the church to get out of some cycles. It's time for us to quit being distracted. Are you hearing me? It's time for us to really get our focus on the commission of our call. Amen. Joshua chapter 3 verse 13 says, And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters shall come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. Verse 15 of chapter 3 says this, And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped into the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows its banks during the whole time of harvest. Will this journey that we take in Christ cause us maybe to walk on water one day? I don't think so. But I got a feeling that this journey will give us the power to defy the elements of this life. Matthew chapter 14, verse 28, what happens as long as Peter's eyes are on Jesus, he's walking on the water. But just like anybody else, how many realize that you and I can be susceptible to the wind and we can be susceptible to the ways of this life and we can get distracted and when we do so, we begin to sink, right? Okay, so we need to understand that there's no better journey than this life that God has to offer. Number two, verse four says that we will enter into a place called knee-deep waters. But before I leave this first point alone, please understand that there's an interesting uh, uh, verbiage here that says this, and he brought me through the waters. He brought me through the waters. So if you think that God's just going to throw you out there unassisted, you're, you're wrong. And notice that the word waters is there a plural, and a plural state. It's talking about multiple streams here, multiple waters here. He brought me through the waters. I, I got a feeling that God will never ask you to do something unless he knows that you have the potential to do it. A learning curve will never come to you and make you feel intimidated unless God knew that you had the potential to respond to it. Amen. You see, we got to remember that there's somebody in us that knows things about us that we don't know about ourselves yet. All right, I'm going to say that again. There's somebody down on the inside of us that knows things about us that we don't know about ourselves yet. And what I'm trying to tell you is there's so much more potential. All God wants to do is mine the gold in you. He wants to mine the treasure that's down on the inside of you. He wants you to understand that with him, sky is the limit. Amen. So 
in verse 4 of chapter 47, they, they get to a place, or the prophet gets to a place of knee-deep waters. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, And that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So when you step into this journey, all of a sudden what begins to happen is God begins to let you know that cycles are now called, being called to be broken. And they, they really begin to gain, God really begins to gain momentum when he begins to ask us to bow our knee to him. Humbleness of heart, authority, being submission to, being submission to his authority. I love this passage of scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 40. We know the story. All of a sudden Israel is at battle with some Philistines. And one Philistine had everybody paralyzed. His name was Goliath. And we know the storyline. I, I don't want to get too deep into this, but I will tell you that David was the eighth born of Jesse. Eight is the number of new beginnings. Ooh, something about ready to break out here. Come on, amen. And we know what happens. We, we, we know that this one Philistine has got everybody paralyzed. Everybody thinks trench warfare started in World War I when they dug up half of Europe. No, it started right here in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And David was, just, David was just shopped out by his daddy. When Even when the prophet came to, to anoint the next king of Israel, David wasn't even numbered among them. Jesse had him out there tending the sheep. He was not looked at as being worthy. But how many realize that God doesn't look at the exterior? He looks at the interior. And I want to, I've come to... I've come to tell some folk tonight, it doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. The only thing that matters is what God knows you look like on the inside. There's somebody that put that dream in you. There's somebody that put that vision in you. There's somebody that placed that desire down on the inside of you. There's somebody that placed that call down on the inside of you. There's somebody that placed that inquisitive down on the inside of you. I'm telling you, God wants to elevate us and move us in a fresh direction. So what was the plan? I'll tell you what the plan was. You might not believe in me, but somebody that keeps giving me songs and keeps calling me to kill bears and lions while I protect the sheep apparently believes in me. <laughs> take some bread and cheese to the front lines. I love anybody that will take bread and cheese to get in a fight with. <laughs> and when he got there, he couldn't believe what he saw. One man paralyzing an entire nation. And David was provoked. He said, the same God that gave me the bear and the lion is going to give me this, this Philistine. And Saul said, well, I think I better help you. Have you ever noticed that people will try and help you? They're not doing anything themselves. Everybody's got answers for you, but they ain't got no answers for them. You know what I'm saying? You know what I had? So I love David. David looked at Saul's armor and said, wait a minute here, man. There's no scratches on it. There's no dents on it. There's no dust on it. This thing's untested. This hadn't been in a battle. And, and David said, hey, look, I don't need your armor. I don't need your, 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 your daughter. I don't need half your kingdom. What I need is a plan. And I love this. And God said to David, go down to a brook and choose five smooth stones. Now, most brooks are knee-deep. But this is what a lot of people don't realize about smooth stones. There's all kinds of rocks in the brook. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, we're all called to be living stones. But there's a difference between the stones that are involved with the current 
and the stones that are part of the flow than those that are just in the brook but on the side of the brook. You see, the stones that are part of the current, the stones that are part of the flow, what happens is they start rubbing on each other. You know what you need? You need a Christian to cut you off getting out of the parking lot. Come on, amen. Sometimes you just need everybody and anybody to complain and can't find nothing right. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Sometimes you just need to look at folk and say, my God, if everybody could just see what I see when I'm trying to lead them into the presence of the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Just keep leading them into the presence of God. All of a sudden, that rub's going to get on everybody. Amen. And you know what happens? They start rubbing off the jagged edges, and they produce a smooth stone. You see, there's a lot of people that say, well, I'll rise to the occasion when problems, you know, come up. That's not the case. Any old stone in the brook, if it's not been in the flow and not part of the current, it hasn't gone through the right process. It'll be put into a sling, and because of its nature, it'll snag in a sling and go left or go right. But you put a stone in a sling that's been part of the current, that's been under the flow, that's gone through a rub. Now, all of a sudden, you've got an accurate stone you got a stone that won't abort its call. It'll finish its mission. Ankle-deep water flowing from the house of God. You see, it's called submission to authority. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 29, you see, you know, we get these words in, in, our, in our Christianese that we, we, get, you know, we get threatened by, like submission or the word authority. Can I encourage you? If you've got a bad taste in your mouth concerning the word authority, you need to understand what authority really is. It's not some kind of control hierarchy by some kind of, you know, some kind of, you know, jerk. <laughs> Did I make that clear enough? <laughs> you know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. It is a perception that you and I can't live without. Because a Roman centurion came to Jesus and, and he saw something in Jesus that he couldn't find in Caesar. And he said, look, I don't need you to come home with me. I'm a man under authority. I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. What was he saying? I see something about you. And all I, all I, I, because I understand the system, all I need you to do is speak to my situation. Oh, come on, somebody. What I'm trying to tell you is if you really see authority the way God wants you to see authority, what you see is you see the ability to receive everything that the authority has to offer you. Nothing gets held up. All of a sudden when the word spoke, signs and wonders take place. Jesus said, I haven't found this kind of faith even in Israel. Number, th number uh, uh, three. What happens when you leave knee-deep water? I'll tell you what happens. You get into waist-deep water. And notice what happens in knee-deep water. The scripture says, and he brought me through this water. So not only will God help me in my journey, God will help me in me having a submissiveness to him. When I lead people to Jesus, I always tag it at the end. Help me to learn to love you the way you love me. How many realize that God will help us learn how to be submissive to his authority? And can I tell you, you can trust him if you haven't been able to trust anybody in life. 
understanding the perception that God gives the believer enables them to trust him with everything. You can trust him with your greatest fears and your deepest insecurities. You can trust him in your marriage. You can trust him in business decisions. You can trust him. I'm telling you, folks, God knows how to cause his people to live blessed in a cursed world. So what happens? We get into these waist-deep waters in verse 4 of chapter 47. It's in waist-deep waters that, you, that, that our walk really begins to get interesting. You ask any uh, physical trainer. My, my son is aspiring to, to be a, a physical trainer. I, I, I have a good friend here, uh, Kim, I, what, K.O., Kim Owens. We call him K.O. He, he'll, he'll tell you that your strength, these guys will tell you that your strength is in your core. That's where the strength of your body really lies, right? K.O., help me. All right, so Jeremiah 38, verse 6 says this. So they took Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of the, king, the king's son, which was in the court of the prison. And they let Jeremiah down with ropes. And in the dungeon, where the dungeon was, there, there, there was no water but mire. So Jeremiah sunk. In the mire. In fact, commentary says this. Commentary says that he sunk up into up to his waist in human sewage. What I'm trying to tell you is if that's the core, if that's the place of our life where our strength really lies, then what we need to understand is obeying God can come with a price. And I really believe that our core values in the days to come are going to be challenged. Amen. So if you find yourself sinking up to your waist, you need to rejoice. Now their intentions were to leave, there, leave him there until, until he just, they, they just starved him to death. But how many realize that God had different plans? You see, it's in these times when the core value of who we are is being tested that we need to remember Revelation 3 and 10. Because you have kept my commandment to, to per persevere I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. All you and I have to do is just remain faithful. Be consistent. There's something about that. Anybody ever been in the ocean? How many realize that it's not until you get into the ocean that you get up to your core, you get up to your waist, that all of a sudden something begins to happen. You begin to feel the pull of the deep. In John chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, we understand that there came a time where angels would come and trouble the waters of the pools. These pools were waist deep. We know what happened. We know that a man had been laying there for 38 years making excuses about why he couldn't get into the water. <laughs> we have to realize he could have got in at any point at any time. All he had to do is just see the water start to get troubled and just fall over into the water. But what was the problem? The problem was as he was afraid to get into the water unassisted. He was afraid to get into the water just the way he was. I know a lot of Christians like that. They feel the waters of, of the house starting to trouble. A movement starting to begin, starting to flow. And they are afraid to get involved just the way they are. Can I encourage you? God knows exactly where all of us are at. 
And those waters get troubled for a reason. They get troubled to let you know that God's okay with where you're at. You're not okay with where you're at, but God's okay with where you're at. And the good news about these core values is that the word of the Lord can be tested and God can be found faithful. If you're broken, he knows how to heal you. If you're bound, he knows how to set you free. If you're broke, he knows how to prosper you. If you're sick, he knows how to heal you. He's a way maker is what I'm trying to tell you. And I'm telling you, amen? What's interesting to me in Luke chapter 5, when, when Jesus came to introduce himself to his disciples, they were fishing. And what, were the, what was the instructions? I know that you've been fishing all night, and I know that you don't know me, and, and you, you're going to think I'm crazy, but what I want you to do is I want you to launch out into the deep. They were fishing in the shallows, where it's safe, and they weren't catching anything. Sometimes you just got to understand God wants you to launch out into the deep. And when you launch out into the deep, what he's introducing you to is what he already knows about you. There is a depth in you that you have not yet discovered that he knows. Come on, somebody. What I'm trying to tell you is God's already on the other side of your problem. And to him, it ain't really a problem. It's just a stepping stool for you. Amen. So they're fishing in the shallows. And the river tells us that this river knows how to bring in big fish. I'll be glad when the body of Christ really understands what our commission really is. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. I'm almost through this introduction. About 15 minutes, about 8.30. All right, cool. What's that? In, in Mark chapter 2, verse 5, we know what happens. Jesus, is he's come to a home meeting, and people have heard that he's in the house. Oh, come on, amen. You know what I heard the Holy Ghost say while we were, while we were praising and while we were worshiping Pastor Brad? I heard the Holy Ghost said this. It's one thing for God to step into a room. When he steps into a room, everything changes. And the Lord said, but just tell the people that I want them to step into the room that, that I'm already in. A lot of times the church wants God to come to us when God wants us to come to him. Can I tell you something? <laughs> I understand why we want God to come after us because where we're at ain't so hot. But when he begins to invite us to join him, everything changes. Come on, amen. So all of a sudden what happens is four good friends decide that they're going to take a paraplegic to a meeting. They're tearing a hole in the roof. They're lowering this guy down into an atmosphere. And the Bible says that Jesus saw their faith. And the first thing that he says to the cripple is, son. How many realize that he didn't have to go any farther? The minute he called him son is the minute that he made an announcement that whatever was trying to cripple him could no longer hold him. Oh, come on, somebody. I feel the preacher in the house tonight. What I'm trying to tell you, if God has made a declaration over you, if he's called you son, if he's called you daughter, there are core truths that will work for you like they'll work for anybody else. God's no respecter of persons. Amen? I'm telling you, there's an engaging that God is wanting in our lives. 
Okay? I love this in Luke chapter 15, verse 25. We, we know the story. It's, it's, the, it's the story of the prodigal son and the older brother. But this is what a lot of people don't realize about the story. Is we know that the prodigal son, he's backslidden. He comes back. The father takes off running. I love the whole storyline. But something interesting takes place with the older brother. The older brother is out in the field working. And what does he hear, Pastor Rushton? He hears music and sounds coming from his father's house. And you know what he does? He asks the servants, what does this sound mean? Could you imagine being a son of the house and you have forgotten the sound of your father's house? That you've got to ask people that don't know anything about the sound of the father's house, what that sound is. Folks, I'm telling you something. If you pray, you can't tell me that God does not want you to reach people. So before you say, I'm a praying person, you better be a soul winning person. I'll be glad when the church gets interested in what God is interested in. I don't ever want to lose an ear to hear what my father is saying in his house. This is the older brother now. These are people that have been around a while. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Can I, you know what? I, I, you know, this is interesting to me. Isaiah, God told Isaiah, Isaiah said, well, how long am I supposed to go? And, and, and God said to Isaiah, until you, you no longer have breath. You know what I feel? I feel that Pastor Rushing hadn't preached his greatest sermon yet. Come on, man of God. Throw a shoe or something at me tonight. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. What I'm trying to tell you is I, I got a feeling no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, you haven't seen your best days yet is what I'm trying to tell you. Come on, amen. Ecclesiastes 7 and 10. Our best days are still in front of us. They are not behind us. And thank God for that. Ezekiel chapter 8 and verse 2 says that the appearance of God is fire from the, the, the core up and from the core down. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 14 says, stand therefore, having gird your waist with truth, with truth. And notice what happens. God brought them through the waters. He brought the prophet through the waters. Verse 5, as I close, the fourth thing that happens is the prophet runs into something called overtaking waters. Now, these are waters that you've got to learn how to swim in. Amen. I think the body of Christ needs swimming lessons again. Right? Psalms 42, verse 7 says, Deep calls to deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. Jesus told his disciples countless times, Go to the other side. You might run into a storm, but go to the other side. Amen. When the alabaster box was broken and Jesus was anointed for his death, his burial, we have to remember that that alabaster box was an, was an expensive ointment that was actually ordained for a woman's wedding night. But when that box was broken, that, the flow of that liquid could no longer be controlled. What I'm trying to tell you is that the real bride of Christ has no interest in trying to control we understand that we're anointed for something. 
Oh, amen. Are we okay with that? You see, we have to remember that the water flows from God's house. It heals all that it comes into contact with from Wall Street to welfare, small towns as, as well as large cities, corporations and small businesses, the individual and the corporate body. Overtaking waters captures our heart with his. I love what you said last week, Pastor, when you said that the church must always remain countercultural. Hit me like a runaway truck. How many realize that our government is not like the government of this world? Our behavior is totally different than the behavior of this world. Everything about us, we've got things flowing into us for a reason because everything's supposed to flow out of us as we begin to grow and nurture this growth. Galatians chapter... <laughs> Darling, I need you just to move a little closer. You and me, you, I, we could get in trouble with that gal right there. Galatians 6 and 9 says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Here, here's a guaranteed promise. You stay in God's house, and I'll guarantee you there will come a season in your life. You know what I'm saying? It won't, you won't be about just uh, being you know, uh, uh, on a pew week in and week out. You'll get so full you'll have to do something with it. There will come a season in your life where God will extract all the, the pain and, and, and all the, the, the corruption and, and, and all the weariness and all the things that the enemy has done to try and suppress the purpose that your life was designed for. It'll all begin to dwindle. That, that thing will only be able to hold you so long until it has to loose its grip as you walk free of it in the liberty of the anointing of God. Amen. There will come a season for your life. And I will tell you, there are giftings. The Lord told me and, and when I was putting this together, the Lord said that there are gifts in this house that one day he will come for. And it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've been through. Maybe that was your past, but it's not going to be part of your future. You're going to flow up out of here healed and equipped and anointed and full of something different than you came here with. Psalms 1 and verse 3 says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of, of, of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19 says that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. John chapter 7, verse 38, see Jesus on the eighth day of the Feast of Tabernacles, a day of new beginnings, he interrupted a processional. <laughs> you might be dipping a laver into, into the pool of Shalom and pouring it out on, 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 on dry ground and, and being symbolic about coming, you know, a coming day called Pentecost. But I want you to know that there's coming today that out of your belly shall flow, flow a river of living water. And I am thankful for that. Amen. Let me encourage you in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, paying attention to verse 6. The Bible says that there were six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Now, we know what happened. They ran out of wine. And Mary went to Jesus and said, is there, anybody, is there anything that you can do about this? Jesus said, well, hey, look, you know, my time ain't quite come yet. But, uh, yeah. I'll throw a quick prayer out there. <laughs> and 
What's interesting to me is six is the number of man. We've already covered that. But 20 speaks of redemption, and 30 speaks of the blood of Christ. So when it pertains to man's nature, you and I need to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And when that happens, all of a sudden, new wine begins to flow out of us. Ooh, somebody help me. Everybody at the feast starts going, my God, somebody saved the best for last. Can I tell you all something? Everybody thinks that we're preaching to the Benjamin generation right now, the 12th born of Jacob. And that might be so. But I will tell you that God's got gifts stored up for Benjamin that he didn't have stored up for the rest of the, the, the other brothers, the rest of the, the other tribes. He didn't have it stored up for Joseph, the 11th born, or, or the rest of them. He had something special for Benjamin. 30, 300 pieces of silver. It speaks of a faithful remnant. Five extra changes of clothing. It speaks of grace. There is a covering that is on this generation to produce a faithfulness from it. excited about that. In 2 Kings chapter 2 verses 20 through 21 as I paraphrase what happens? The prophet of God is passing through a region and the townspeople stop him. You know what they say? Take a look at this place. It's beautiful but we've got some problems. The waters are polluted and the ground is barren. You know what the prophet said? The prophet said bring me a new vessel and put salt in it. If any man be in Christ, behold, he's a new creature. He's a new vessel. Put salt in it. And he took that new vessel with the salt in it, seeing that you and I are the salt of the earth. It hasn't lost its savor. And he began to throw that salt into the waters as Moses threw a palm branch into some soured water and healed the waters. And the waters were healed. And then he took the salt and he threw it on the ground. And he spoke to the barrenness, and the barrenness was healed. And the scripture says that from that very moment to this very day, healing still exists in these two areas. Oh, amen. Let me encourage you, Ezekiel 36 talks about God taking out the heart of stone and giving us a heart of flesh. In fact, the commentary, C.H. Spurgeon, anybody ever heard of Spurgeon? Spurgeon said this, that upon conception of the new birth, God's presence rings in our humanity so strong that we are affected everywhere by his nature. In fact, there, there comes no desire to go back to what we've been delivered from. Oh, amen. So verse 5 of chapter 47 says this, For the water was too deep, water in which one must swim. There comes a time in our walk where we need to learn how to swim again. Maybe even again and again. But I will tell you, friends, there is a flow that is coming from the will of God, from the Holy Ghost, from the water of heaven that is wanting to do something about the state of this life. You're here tonight. You're here tonight. You might be a gift in this house that maybe thought that, your days have come and gone, but I will tell you, your days are just beginning. And I know that maybe tonight might be not the night that you, you feel like you're going to just get back on the horse and start all over again. That might not be, that might not be a fact, but I will tell you, I've picked up on you. 
I smell you. And I'm letting you know <laughs> that God is not done with you. Okay? And I do know that it's going to take two, two of you. If your wife is not ready, let her get healed to the degree so that she can be ready. If you're not ready and she is, you get healed so that you can be in, in, in unity, so that you both collectively can be ready. But I'm telling you that the giftings in this house, God's not done with. So things are going to start flowing. Start flowing. Amen. And here's another thing that the Lord wants me to challenge you with tonight. You're here tonight, and you want to be bold. You might say, well, you know, I want to, I want to be more of a, more of a, have more of an effect than maybe I have had in the past. And you want to be bold. I want to pray for you. You know, the, the scripture says that the righteous are as bold as lions. And we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I'll tell you, God wants his people bold. And if, if you're ready just to be bold, if you're ready just to step out and make the presence of God known to everybody around you, I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. If you're ready to be bold, Father, I pray over my brothers and sisters tonight. And in the name of Jesus, let the power of the Holy Ghost begin to flow out of them like never before. Father, let the gifts of the Spirit be activated like never before. Use your people for your glory. For your glory. You might be here tonight and Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life. You know where you are in your walk with Him. And you'd like to rededicate your life to God. You might want to give your, your life to Him for the first time. Would you put your hand up and say, pray for me. I'd like to get saved tonight. I'd like to get right. Quickly. Jesus is too good to prolong this. Amen. Young man got saved on Sunday morning where we were, quickly responded to the grace of God. For the first time, he had been in church for the first time, and the Lord was waiting on him. You might be here tonight, and that might be you, and you're ready to give your life to Jesus. Would you quickly raise your hand and say, I'm ready to get saved tonight. I want to rededicate my life to God tonight. So, Father, let the boldness of the Holy Ghost explode in the lives of your people tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, if they are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, let that river begin to flow out of them like never before. Let them begin to pray in the Spirit when they shower. Let them, let them wake up praying in tongues. But Holy Ghost, trouble the waters in the lives of the people of this house. In the mighty name of Jesus, there's a flow coming out of your house in 2021. No longer things flowing to it, but now everything flowing from it in Jesus' mighty name. 
and we thank you for it, God. I, there, listen, there's, I, I sense that in, in praise and worship there's some healing that wants to, to, to take place tonight. If you need healing in your body, I'm going to ask you to come quickly. Just get out of your seat and come down here real quick. I need healing in my body. Hallelujah. Once you get here, just kind of make a straight line across the front. You need healing in your body. What I sense in my heart tonight is there's a woman here with female problems, and the Lord wants to heal that. Hallelujah. And it's more than just you, sissy. Glory to God. There's somebody here that has some kind of a, feels like it's, it's a, groan, a, a, a groin problem. A groin problem. I, I want to pray for you. I want to minister to you. Come on, come quickly. Hey, don't, don't, listen, I can spend the rest of the night finding you through word of knowledge, okay? Darling, the Lord wouldn't have showed me unless he wants to do something. Just lift your hands, honey. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo, I feel the anointing, destroying the yoke and undoing the burden. If you, I, if, if you got a hangnail, I'm going to pray for you tonight. Hallelujah. I got to stay where I'm anointed. And for whatever reason, God just uses me to bring healing and miracles to people. Okay? I, I give him the praise. I give him the glory. Glory to God Almighty. Father, lift your hands across this altar tonight. Darling, right here on the end, Pastor Rushing's daughter. I don't know you. I mean, I know who you are, but I really don't know you. And I, I just want you to know that God, his dream for you is still his dream for you. Okay. Okay. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, I speak miracles over these precious people. Spirit of the living God, bring healing to their lives tonight. Yes, 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 yes. In the mighty name of Jesus, anointing destroy this yoke and undo this burden. I speak to her body, the temple. There we go, right there. There we go, right there. Now you're all right. You're all right. This is not foreign to you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, in the name of Jesus, glory to God. From her head to her feet, Bring healing to her body tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. You know, I'm just going to speak this out because it's just what I see. I feel once and for all a chapter really coming to a close. Whatever residue that somebody has left on you, that comes off. No more fear, no more torment, no more abuse. In the name of Jesus. If, 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 you'll, let, if you'll just give me a crack, I'll invite myself in. Okay? God wants to heal you. Lift your hands up.
We'll fix your makeup after church. Okay. But I'm telling you that the effects of years gone by are leaving you. In the Urashatai, Mikorobra Sarebebe, I feel a, a warm south wind starting to blow in your life again. What I'm trying to tell you is your garden is ready to bloom again. Father, I thank you in Jesus' mighty name for closing that chapter, giving her a new day to live, a new understanding, a, a new influence, a fresh flow in the Holy Ghost. Everything's getting ready to change. Your prayer life is going to change. Your study life is going to change. Your ability as a musician to flow with God is going to change because you've been tied to something that wouldn't let you go, but now it's being broken off of you and the flow has come to claim you. The flow has come to claim you. Hey! In the mighty name of Jesus, I speak a miracle over you from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. There we go, Mom. There we go. The anointing that destroys the yoke undoes the burden in Jesus' mighty name. God, I speak a miracle over your daughter tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus. Freedom. Freedom from the crown of her head to the soles of her feet. Healed by your stripes to the praise of your glory. In Jesus' mighty name. I say, let the love of God deliver you from fear to death tonight. Okay? Let the love of God deliver you from fear tonight. Okay? I say you will live and not die and declare the works of God. Hallelujah. Amen? <laughs> God, I speak a miracle over your son tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, your virtue destroying the yoke and undoing the burden. Your stripes healing him to the praise of your glory tonight. In Jesus' mighty name. Glory to God. Hear me, man. Hear me, man of God. I feel like there's been accurate words spoken to you prophetically concerning, okay? So you don't need a word from me. Words have been spoken over you concerning the outcome. You just need to put your trust in the promises of God. Will you do it? I believe you will. In the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Father, from the crown of my brother's head to the soles of his feet, I speak your healing power over his life. In Jesus' mighty name. Now, I'm a real light-handed preacher. I, I just don't like laying hands on people heavy because I want the power of God on them. Woo, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. My, 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 my. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. You know, I feel, I feel in my heart that the Lord's inviting you out of something. 
It's almost like you just can't stay any longer where you're at. You know what I mean? It's just like there's just been a fresh fire put under you. And I, and I will tell you, everything that God is, is saying, um, you're leaving behind, you're actually leaving us behind. Okay? The Lord wants you to know that what he has forgiven, he has forgotten. He doesn't remember that stuff. He doesn't remember, you know, the stuff where we just beat ourselves up. We just, you know, say all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, about ourselves. When, when God ain't saying that, you know what I mean? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that he can put his whole trust in you. Your power, your virtue, you destroying the yoke. Right there, right there, right there. Oh, my God. Ooh, hallelujah. You're all right. You're all right. You're all right. Glory to God. About to lay hands right in there, right in there. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for your son, your healing, your healing power working in from his head down to his feet. In Jesus' mighty name. God, your virtue destroying this yoke, undoing this burden. In Jesus' mighty name. <laughs> I hear the Holy Ghost saying, just because you're old doesn't mean that you have to be sick. <laughs> hey, the Lord's been calling me old for a while, man. So I call you strong. I, I declare over you that what Moses, the declaration that came over Moses, his eye was not even dim. Okay. Every ache, every pain. I call you strong. In Jesus' mighty name. Woo! Hallelujah. KO, I feel like I need to pray for you. Will you let me pray for you? Thank you, Father God. Come here. Just lift your hands. Father, I pray for my friend in the name of Jesus, your anointing that destroys the yoke and undoes the burden. In Jesus' mighty name, I speak to his body, the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's healed by your stripes already to the praise of your glory. So, Lord, I lay hands on him, and I pray the prayer of faith that everything from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet would be completely restored supernaturally in Jesus' mighty name. God, touch this man like only you can. And we give you the thanks and we give you the praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. I speak the healing virtue of Jesus over you. From your head down to your feet. God, send your power through her life tonight. 
Send your anointing through her life tonight. Minister, Father, your life to her. You're so a life. Then we will quickly give you the praise and the thanks for her. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Pastor, thank you. I hope you guys uh, got something tonight. Amen. I say grace and peace and torment the devil until I see you again, okay? God is good, amen? Amen. So grateful to be able to be here tonight and just experience the move of God that's happened in this place. And uh, uh, Prophet's word went right along with several, as he was preaching this word tonight, there was just several visions uh, that people have come to me and told me over the last year and a half that just kept coming back to me over and over again as he preached. And there's there's several that I know of. Jim Oldenkamp gave me a vision that he saw in this church of of, of the things that the Lord showed him that, that were going to flow out of this church. And, and he gave me that vision. And Paige Sims, if, if she's here tonight, gave me a vision of, of, of ankle deep to knee deep water in these altars. Right and 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 spoke and talked about that, and then and then uh, Henry, our drummer, gave me a vision that God gave him one day in prayer in this sanctuary of water just coming in the ceiling and filling up the floors of this place, and and I praise God that it's not the same kind of waters that's been flowing out of the toilet this week in my office. Because my office got, got flooded this week. <laughs> and that's not the waters we're talking about, right? We're talking about the waters of God. So uh, I'm, I'm so excited for just what is to come. So let, let, me, uh, let me say this. God is good. Be blessed. We'll see you guys Sunday. <laughs> All right.